Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. White will cross over the midcourt line. And that's going to do it as the Miami Heat come into the United Center and hand the Bulls their second straight home loss after the break. And the final was 101-90 Miami. Offensively. You know, finishing around the rim, uh, being more aggressive. I feel like I've regressed in that area of being a, aggressive on the offensive end. Um, you know, just trying to play the right way, do do everything that everybody's telling me to do. But at the same time, I understand that me being aggressive would be better for my team. So um, I just I just got to play a lot better on the offensive end. That is the, maybe the hood ornament for Saturday Suckage. Wendell Carter Jr., after last night's dreadful Bulls loss, collapse, horrificness. Welcome in, welcome back. Saturday Suckage, we suck so you don't have to, but Wendell Carter Jr. is beating us to it, as are the Bulls. And uh, me and Mark Grody are going to go to the SCORE hotline. It's presented by Alpamonte Ford. Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park on North Avenue or APFord.com. And we welcome in Cody Westerland, who covers the Bulls for the SCORE. More importantly, though, he is the digital high lord and master. And all over Cody Westerland's words and pictures and digitizing, Wendell Carter Jr. sucks. Why does Wendell Carter Jr. suck? Cody, tell us. Fix it. He, according to Wendell Carter Jr., he hasn't been aggressive enough. So that would be the problem. And uh, since he was drafted by the Bulls in, what was it, 2018, he's always been a guy that's been really introspective. And I thought last night was maybe the most downtrodden we'd seen him in his Chicago tenure. And I think it's because he realizes the team really needed him to step up the past two games with Joel Embiid out and then Bam Adebayo out for the Heat last night. And he didn't bring it the last couple nights, and the Bulls struggled, got um, absolutely destroyed in the paint against the 76ers, and again lost that battle against the Heat last night. So I think he just views it as lost opportunity, and he's searching for some answers, and he doesn't have them right now. He said that like three times, you know, why can't you finish at the rim? I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know what to say to that question. Like, stuff like that. So, uh the Bulls need to pick him up somehow. He needs to step up somehow because if they're going to compete at a higher level, uh, he's got to be one of the guys that steps up for him. So what's going on with him, man? Is it, a, is it a conflict of identity as far as to who he is or what he's supposed to be as a ball player? Or is he, and I hate to say this, is he a head case? 
I don't think he's a head case because I don't, I don't think just coming out and being open about um, just how you're approaching the mental side of the game means you're a head case. I find that pretty uh, refreshing, to be honest, and more enlightening than people who just give cliches after they have bad games, for example. Um, but I would say, I think it's fair to say he's somewhat conflicted on the court, Grody. I think that's a fair way to put it. We saw this back in preseason. Billy Donovan told him to shoot like 100 threes, right? Like that might be a bit of an exaggeration, but there was no there was no red light in preseason for Wendell. And uh, they always wanted him to, to stretch that range out. But like, that's not what they need him to do right now. What they need him to do is instead of averaging 5.8 points per game in the last five games is just go get 15 and 12. You know what I mean? especially when uh, you're playing a team that you should take advantage of. So uh, it has been interesting because I think he's trying to blend a lot of things into his game, right? The Bulls asked him to step out and shoot threes. Uh, he also went through a quad injury and missed almost a month. So I don't think he's had a great rhythm at any point this season. But then you watch the Bulls play basketball so beautifully when Zach Levine runs pick and roll with Thad Young, right? Like he hits him in the pocket and all of a sudden Thad Young has the ball dashing down the middle of the lane and has a four-on-three situation where he can go to the hoop, kick it, um, and make good decisions. Thad Young makes those decisions really fast. Well, the Bulls sometimes want to play Wendell Carter Jr. like that, too, and get him in the pocket. And it's different. It's not doing it every possession like they kind of do it with Thad. But it's a lot to, to handle, I think, mentally on the decision front about who you kick the ball to, who you pass it to. Uh, sometimes and then like times like last night like he should have just been getting the ball more in the post more closer to the hoop um, and finishing strong I mean he was only one of five for the field he should have had more shots in in a game like that like Kelly Olenek um, can't be a reason that that you're scared to go to the hoop and stuff and that wasn't even the guy guarding him at some point I think it was KZ Okpala who I didn't really know who even was until I saw him in the starting lineup last night for the heat like he can't be a reason that you're not being aggressive down low either and uh, I think he gets down, as far as the mental aspect, I think I would say this. He doesn't handle struggles as well as other people handle struggles. And I would point to one example um, on the team that Billy Donovan's pointed to. Like, we've seen Kobe White really struggle to shoot in some games early on this year. Like, play two or three bad quarters, and then he'll hit, like, two huge threes in the fourth quarter, uh, and he'll come up with some big rebounds. And, like, that's an example of a guy handling struggles inside of 48 minutes pretty well. I don't think Wendell handles struggles that well inside of 48 minutes. He can rebound better from game to game, and lately he hasn't. But I think he has to um, find some way to pick himself up, and the Bulls have to find uh, a way to pick himself up within a game. So bad half, put it behind him. And he's talked about he struggles putting stuff behind him sometimes. So he has to respond to adversity better inside of a basketball game. Which is an interesting way to look at it, Cody. Cody and I don't. Our guest is Cody Westerlin, covers the Bulls for the Score, and we happen to be on the Score. What were the odds of that, Cody? The idea that they came, they came off. Wendell Carter came off that game where the Sixers had, I want to say, 738 points in the paint. Yeah. And then you see what Wendell Carter Jr. does in this game, and then what the team does in the fourth quarter against Miami. So in adjusting from, if you can adjust from game to game, this doesn't look like it. And and I don't know if he's just a guy who needs to be in, first of all, he needs to be healthy to be in some kind of rhythm, but since he's come back allegedly healthy, he hasn't scored in double figures. So <clears throat> not learning, not being healthy enough to, get as much NBA 
life exposure as he needs to, an actual experience on the court? I don't know. I would think he would have had a he would have been a bigger part of a win last night if he was as good as rebounding from a bad game, as you say, uh, after the Philadelphia game. I completely agree with that. I mean, that's the maturation process, right? He's 21 years old, but he's also now in his third year in the NBA, a couple injury-plagued years, obviously. So maybe not quite a full campaign here in any of these years. But this is a guy that it's time to prove yourself, right? Like, you get four years on your rookie contract usually, and then you got to make a big decision on a second contract. So the Bulls are in this weird situation, too, where, like, Lowry Markkinen is going to be a restricted free agent and has had injury problems and has shot the lights out the last two games from three-point range, but he's been a big minus on the defensive end. Like, he didn't do anything last night toughness-wise inside the paint to make it be like, hey, we're going to win this game. He spot up and shot some of his threes pretty well and I think scored 20 points for the Bulls after he went um, absolutely berserk from three-point range in a blowout loss to the 76ers the night before like the Bulls are missing some aspect of toughness and I don't I don't want to confuse that with the lack of effort I mean this team is putting the effort in but somewhere in there there's a toughness aspect and I think Billy Donovan said some of it comes to mindset I also think some of it comes to just how they're built physically right like Wendell Carter Jr. is a little bit smaller center Lowry Markinen has bulked up every offseason it feels like we talk about but then it's like he goes into the paint and he has a smaller guy on him and he's fading away and making what should be like a three-foot layup over someone into like a six-foot fadeaway. And to me, like that's that's toughness somehow. You're not using the strength you have correctly. And that can't happen. Like Larry Markinen can't be one of four, one of five on two pointers in the first two or three quarters of a game against a team missing its all-star star center. So I don't think these guys have blended um, some of their, their mental decisions with their physical tools and talent, and sometimes they're just overpowered. So that's why, like, you look two or three years ahead. I don't expect Markinen and Carter to both be here in Chicago. Like, at some point, this front office with um, Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley is going to decide and make a move. I mean, at some point, they have to make a move, right? They haven't done anything that, like, most of us couldn't do so far on the move front, and that's just pick a guy at number four and sign Garrett Temple, who's a great veteran when you needed wing help. Like, those made logical sense. At some point, they are going to make a trade. They are going to make big decisions and shake this up a little bit. And I think they've been using this year, obviously, as an evaluation process. And there is absolutely nothing about this year that suggests Wendell Carter Jr. and Lowry Markkinen uh, should be the starting 4-5 for the Bulls in three or four years from now. So uh, they still have a second half of the season to prove that. Maybe there's time next year to prove it, but right now the, the evidence is, is not growing in their favor for, for that pairing together. I completely agree with that, man, and that's why I personally don't care whether or not the Bulls make the playoffs this year because this is not going to be the core of players that is there when the, when the Bulls hopefully down the road are back in an Eastern Conference Finals type of deal. So that said, with all the, the toughness and the moves made, are there – is it possible that there is a dramatic move ahead of this trade deadline, Cody? I don't think dramatic would be likely. I, I, I'm trying to parse that word, too. Like, they're not trading Zach Levine before this trade deadline, right? I don't right. think, to me, Thad Young being traded wouldn't be dramatic. And I say that because it would be jarring for the team because he's yeah. so respected. I don't think it's a dramatic shakeup or anything. Shakeup maybe inside of this season, but like you Agreed. said, you keep Thad, you're chasing an eight seed, nine, ten <laughs> seed for a play-in. 
Uh, I think the only dramatic thing that would be on the table would be if the Bulls have enough evidence and have decided that they don't really want to bring Larry Markkinen back at any number near what he's going to ask for in restricted free agency or get from another team on an offer sheet. So maybe they are thinking, you know, we made an offer before last season that was clearly it had to be probably a little over 15 million annually, I would guess, maybe 17, 18 million, because there's a lot of rumors in the NBA that he was wanting 20 million or, or something like that annually. So if they haven't budged off that number and they view restricted free agency coming up and saying, you know what, Markin's going to want over $20 million a year. We're not going to match that. We should get some value for him. I think that's the only dramatic thing that's in play here. I think the trade deadline's 12 days away. That's in play. I don't think it's likely just because, well, he hasn't been healthy. All these other teams are going to want him to prove a lot of stuff as well. So I think that's what you need to keep in mind there. And to be honest, I think Markkinen probably fits what they want to do a little better just because of his three-point range and ability to spread the floor. It's just he hasn't brought enough on the defensive end to be like, yeah, we got to build around him. And he hasn't finished well enough, I think, around the rim, in my opinion, um, for that as well. So, And I would almost turn this question around on you guys, too, on the Thad Young thing. Like, people, there's at least a segment of the fan base that thinks like, maybe a small segment, but trading Thad Young's like giving up and like tanking again. Trading Thad Young to me is not tanking. It's prioritizing the future over the present, but that that is not tanking in any way, shape, or form. Like You have to be smart enough, if you get a good offer for Thad Young, to not bypass it because you could get the 8, 9, or 10 seed. You're Thank not, you. You don't trade him for a second-round pick, but if you get a first-round pick, if you get a strong offer and move him, that's not tanking. That's just balancing. Every team has to balance the future um, and the present. Teams like the Lakers are all in on the present. There's a few really terrible teams in the NBA that are all in on the future. And most teams fall in the middle somewhere. So I just felt like that was a reminder. I don't view that as tanking. I don't know how you guys see it. No, I, I completely agree. And I've been singing that that same exact strategy whenever I get the chance to. It's ridiculous when people say, whether fans or people, uh, reporters or, or opinion makers, say that, that you go oh, at this point, you can't trade Thad Young. You can't break up what they have unless you really are confident that this is the core that's going to get the Bulls to where they have to be. So it, it would be it'd be quite quite frankly, Steve, I think it'd be stupid not to trade Thad Young if they are to get something better than like a second round pick, as Cody just said. I don't know what do you think, Rosie? I'm all for it. I mean, the, the, your team is being run by a guy who found Nikola Jokic in the second round. I all, I want all the second round picks, which used to be worthless. Because the Bulls used to not even have room for any Jordan Bell. They were trading for $3.5 million and whatever. I'm I'm all for that. But this this also sounds like, oh, you can't get rid of Augie Ojeda. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this yeah. is what you're talking about. I mean, this is not. Exactly. And when you talk about Markkinen, he has, he, it should be Laurie marked down. Because this oh. is, because this is. So last night, let's look at last night, Cody. 20 points, yeah. six rebounds. They've lost two straight in his return. He had nine points in the fourth quarter. Well, that's good because that's more than Zach Levine, your all-star, had. But to your point, he was a minus eight in 10 minutes in the fourth quarter and zero free throws for the second straight game. That's every. That's the Lowry Markinen profile that he doesn't instinctively change. He would ha- it would have to be coached into him. And I think it may not be worth 
worth the effort. Maybe they look at it as not worth the effort to coach that aggressiveness into him. He doesn't seem like that guy at all. If given his druthers, he'll spot up and he'll take that shot. Right, Cody? Am I missing something? No. He's averaging 3.0 free throw attempts per game for his career. <laughs> like, And it's down this year. He's averaging oh 2.8 free throw <laughs> attempts per game. And I understand, like, last year, he actually last year averaged more free throw attempts per game when everyone in the fan base and marketing pretty much privately mumbled about how Jim Boylan only would have him spot up and shoot, right? right. Well, now, now apparently he's being used perfectly, but he still doesn't get to the free throw line. That falls on the player. That doesn't fall on the coaches. So if we're apologizing for Jim Boylan here, I guess I'm sorry for fans that want to blame something on him. I don't think Markkinen was well utilized in Jim Boylan's final year um, on the Bulls. But like this this dream and brand of basketball to, to use him in, it's not like it's getting him to the free throw line anymore. You know what I mean? So um, it's fair to say like his, his two-point percentage is up a lot this year. Markkinen is just shooting the ball a lot better. But... I just don't think he affects the game two ways enough on both ends. And I see it sometimes just like not finishing strong enough. Like he could be shooting probably 5% better, I feel like, if he just finished stronger at the hoop. And again, it goes back to defense. Like if you look at that plus minus that you brought up, Rosie, like a lot of that can track to his defensive end because like he has performed and shot the ball better this year, obviously. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's a hard decision for the Bulls. There's no doubt about it. And it's... It's really going to be interesting because I feel like with Markin is restricted free agency or whatever decision they make on him, like, well, we might get an indicator of, of just kind of how this front office views the future and, and what they value a little bit. Yeah, and that's what we're all trying to do is, is read between the lines and sometimes the exact things that happen on the court, whether it is Billy Donovan in a rotation or maybe something Arturis Karnaschova says. All right, so, so I look at, I want to. St- I kind of want to stay on the the future Bulls, and yeah. I, I look at like the guys that I think are are not going. Probably Patrick Williams is not going anywhere. I mean, I'm just guessing, but I, I don't rule it out. And I do think Zach Levine will be around for the future as well. Do you think Levine is going to be around in the future? Like, yeah, I I, not, I do. Okay, okay, good. Um, and I mean, it's just been a phenomenal transformation this year into how efficient he is offensively. Uh, I mean, very few people in the NBA. I know scoring and percentages and efficiencies exploding this year in the NBA kind of uh, with everything, but he is the modern player on the offensive end. And I think his turnover problem is a real, real trouble. There's still some uh, he's loose with the ball, especially late in the games, it feels like, sometimes in the fourth quarter. I think some of those are just magnified. But, I mean, a, a live ball turnover in the second quarter to give the other team a dunks just as hurtful, you know. So he's got to clean that up. But, like, he has progressed year over year over year. He has always gotten better. He has always progressed. So I feel like he can progress in that area. And, like, anything short of, like, someone offering, I feel like, a top – five or eight pick in the first round like where you're going to plug in a really good player um for alongside Patrick Williams who maybe better fits his timeline uh a trade like that for Zach Levine I don't see him being moved anytime soon I mean 
we're kind of all just guessing with the new front office that hasn't made a lot of moves, right? And it's kind of mysterious to the whole NBA. But at the same time, I do feel like Zach has proved a lot, elevated himself a lot. The way Billy Donovan and AK have both talked about him, to me, suggest um, AK said he's affecting winning. He's impacting winning. I thought that was telling, you know, like those weren't sometimes coaches and GMs just give you empty quotes and sometimes they give you things I think maybe it's fair to latch on to. And I thought that was probably fair to latch on to a little bit like the way he is impacting winning. So I think he's really established himself more likely to be here. Um, with the Bulls for, for the long term than obviously we thought when the when the ball tipped off at the start of this year. Cody, before we let you go, this is something that's been bothering me, or I need an answer to, and, and it's been going on for a while. It involves Billy Donovan, because like you said, with Arturis Karnaschovas talks, he, it's an interesting window into the way he, to his philosophy. And I've noticed the change in the whole we-they thing from Billy Donovan talking about his team and his players. And this was from before the All-Star break. Um, and he, he was talking about, he was looking back at the first game against Atlanta, and he said, <clears throat> I think about that first game whenever it's back. it was back there in December and how we look now. But later on, he says, but they really have made really good progress. It's not where we want to be. We're not satisfied where we're at. We've got to keep striving. So the we and the they, and it jumps out at me, and maybe it shouldn't. You tell me. Does he make a, a difference? Does he dis- make a distinction between they when it's on the court and we when we're talking as a team, or am I just hearing things? No, I think that's fair. I hadn't picked that up on that lately. There was a moment, I mean, it had to be over a month ago, when a few of us beat writers noticed it, and I think we're, we're talking about it a little bit. But it's very interesting. I do think when he uses they, that means things that I feel like a coach cannot help. You know what I mean? And again, we'd have to go through all the certain circumstances of when he's done it, what game, what plays he is referring to sometimes exactly. But there are certain things where Billy's like, this year he's been like, well, they got to learn to sink or swim, right? Like, I can't do everything for them. And I feel like it's been interesting because, right, like I think he's been pretty hard on um, for long stretches, Kobe White, not not with like public criticism per se, but at times just saying, hey, here's what he did wrong, X, Y, Z. Here's what we have to do better. Here's what we've told him. Here's how he's going to grow. So like you asked Billy Donovan a question about Kobe White's development. He's going to give you a two and a half minute answer that includes some criticism, why it went wrong, what's on like Kobe's end, what's on the coaching staff's end, how they can help next time. But there are certain things where Billy's like, you know, I told them they got to go do it at some point. And when he when he does talk like that, when he says they, that's interesting to me because like that signals like there's change coming at some point here, right? Like Billy mm-hmm. Donovan knows he's just riding out the first wave of whatever Bulls iteration he's going to see and have on the team <laughs> front and is going to look a lot different in three yeah. years. And right now, Billy Donovan is married to um, Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley. He's not really married to anyone else in this organization, you know, like that's the partnership uh, we talked about before. Just the words they use with each other, like they, it's just like a romance I haven't seen in a long time between a coach and front office in Chicago. And maybe that's because we've seen so many uh, so much friction 
between past Bulls front offices and coaches and maybe in some other organizations in the city, obviously. But it is it is something right now, and I think that might track back to some of the we and the they, they thing. So right now it's it's we with Billy in the front office, and it's they sometimes um, on the court when, when the Bulls don't make decisions that Billy feels like they've been put in good position to make and, and just have to improve on. Okay, so I real, I'm, I'm glad I wasn't a syntactical wiener. I might be a wiener in other areas, but not in, as far as that's concerned. So I wasn't. No, I thought that was a good observation. I'll, I'll be on the uh, hunt for it. If I find an example, maybe I'll follow up with Billy on when he when he uses we versus they. No, there's really two good examples before the before the All Star break. Um, yeah. They need to understand how to close games better than that, and and also they didn't fold at the end. Which yeah. Is exactly your point. Cody, thanks for your time. Great knowledge. We always learn something. We thank you for taking the time to join us. Yep. You guys have a good rest of the show. See you, man. We all suck, so you don't have to. And if only we could help Wendell Carter Jr. in that whole thing. So that's Cody Westerlin. He covers the Bulls for the score. He's also the digital high lord and master. We're going to take a break. When we come back, there's more of what Mark heard. And it seems to be, Mark, do I have this right? Is it Bears related? It is Bears related. Bears, you Bears, will Bears, hear my from friend. the one and only Olin Krutz next. Ooh, yeah, you better better bring Kevlar with this. <laughs> I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Mark Rohde, Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can over think what you'll wear on that third date download the instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last minimum ten dollar per order additional term supply selling a little or a lot shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business from the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all in one e commerce platform to their in person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout 15% better on average compared to other. Other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast
or this week at Staples? A big deal on ink. That's kind of a big deal. Staples has the technology, furniture, and supplies you need for a totally productive workspace. And right now, you can earn 25% back in Staples rewards when you spend $75 on ink or $175 on toner. Shop in-store or get same-day delivery powered by Instacart. Ends 313.21. Limit four in-store and on Instacart only. Visit staplesconnect.com slash ink rewards for details. Instacart delivery subject to availability. Additional fees may apply. Need a home mortgage done quickly, streamlined with less paperwork and no headaches? Since 2002, nobody beats Townstone on rates, costs, or service. Townstone.com. Tax time is new vehicle savings time during Riverfront's Jeep Celebration event. Get huge discounts, low finance rates, and lease payments at Riverfront Jeep in North Aurora and buy at Riverfront.com. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. We love Allen Robinson. He's a great player for the Jason. We know that. Yeah. He's a great player. Not sure what he's the answer to with a team that has such significant holes. But there he is. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rohde with you. Saturday Suckage, and we are now completing hour two of our What Mark Heard Marathon. I like this idea, Mark. This whole show should be called What Mark Heard, and we'll just keep doing it until we run out of time and and they make us get off the air. What do you think? Yeah, it's just like a a base of the show. Like everything comes back Uh to What Mark Heard. We'll do other things, like have that excellent segment with Cody Westerlin, but then... You know, at our base, like it's like a 3-4 defense. It's a base defense. And then at, at other times, we'll use different unit, different packages and sub out and things like that. But it comes back to this. And what right. would a segment of what Mark heard, what would it be without something on Allen Robinson? There's always something on Allen Robinson. And I, I don't think we have spoken since... Have we spoken since Alan Robinson got the franchise tag? No, we have not. So Alan Robinson, as our listeners probably know by now, does get the the franchise tag, and it's still possible the Bears could sign him to a long-term deal by July 15th. I had Olin Krutz on one of the shows where I was filling in for Joe Ostrowski, and we were discussing Mr. Alan Robinson. Here's Big O. It was the right move for the Chicago Bears, and you 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 knew it was going to happen as soon as you heard Ryan Pace say the famous words that, um, you know, drives all of us former players and current players crazy. We're going to do what's best uh, for the Chicago Bears. And about then you knew that Allen Robinson was going to get tagged. And you just kind of feel for the guy because uh, he does everything right. And he's a really good uh, wide receiver. He's a number one wide receiver. You can go through all his numbers, everything he's done. I'm sure you guys have talked it to death on the airwaves, how he does everything right off the field. He's the guy in the locker room. He's everything you want as a teammate. He's everything you want as a football player. And and to me, that's why if you're Ryan Pace and you're Coach Nagy and you talk so much about your culture, you talk so much about your vanilla ice collaboration, you talk so much about all of those things, then if you are those guys that you say you are, you have to show your locker room that you will give Allen Robinson an extension that he deserves because if there's anybody in that locker room that deserves it, who's played at a high level on a really bad offense, it is Allen Robinson. Uh, Obviously, you know, a lot of people, we all know that this is the business side. This is the ugly side. All of us players have been through some form of it, 
at some point in our careers uh, when we became free agents or as you got older and on in your career, you just you go through these negotiations and you just, you know, when you're on that side and your agent is telling you what they're saying and you think you deserve something and you can just reel off everything you've done for the organization, for your team, uh, done things the right way, done everything that these guys have asked of you, and now they're going to use this franchise franchise tag on you. Uh, it doesn't sit well with him, I'm sure. Uh, we'll see what comes of it, but you don't want a disgruntled Allen Robinson in your locker room. Uh, Ryan Pace, them know that this salary cap is going to go up next year. Of course, with the new TV deals they're expecting, um, you know, the gambling money that's going to be coming in soon to the NFL so they can backload a contract and make this thing work and do the right thing for a guy who obviously deserves it. So you think they made a mistake today then by putting the franchise tag? No, no, I don't think they made a mistake today. I think it'll be a mistake if they let this go on into the season. Then I okay. then I think that would be a mistake. I don't think today was a mistake. I think it bought them some more time to work a lot of things out because we all know uh, what position they're up there you know, they're in up there at Hallis Hall. You know, Grody, you've been around the team. Uh, you know, I've been analyzing them. Anybody who studies what, what they have in the building and what they need to actually win games and improve, uh, we all know what situation they're in right now. And it's not a really good one, right? Yeah. And, so, and there's a lot of teams that are not in great situations right now, considering where the salary cap has gone, the decisions that teams are going to have to start making. And by the way, Monday is the famous legal tampering period, and then Wednesday is when the the new league year officially begins. So a lot of this chaos and movement will be coming soon. But I've heard from more than one per like Owen talking about needing to still get a deal done with Allen Robinson. There is hope. Actually, Steve, that the, the Bears will actually still get a long-term deal done with Allen Robinson by July 15th. Did Olin drop the phrase, the did he play the Vanilla Ice collaboration card? <laughs> yeah, he did. Oh, All right, stop. My. Collaborate oh. and listen. Oh, my God. Oh, that was, oh, that was such a thing. Collaborate and listen. Listen. Yeah. Ice is the back with his Vanilla Ice oh, collaboration. Man. He did. He slipped <laughs> in it. Olin Sly, man. He says oh, things. Yeah. By the way, Olin Krutz. The great Olin Krutz doing a uh, podcast now because everybody's got a podcast and Krutzy is doing one with Jason McKee, the No Name Podcast. A little plug He's, for my guy. Uh, Olin, Olin's terrific. You listen to him on, on our post game show. He and, and uh, Patrick Manley, and you, if you see him on um, the the football after show on NBC Sports Chicago, whatever they're going to call it before it goes away. It, yeah, he's he is so good. And he's so yeah. smart, and he he is a, for for a group that he used to, you know, grit his teeth at and and curl up his lip and growl at in the media. And now he is doing <laughs> it, and he you know he does that better than a lot of us too. So I'm not yeah. I'm envious of what he way he can relay information, the information he has, the way he can relay it. But I do have an issue with what he said. Okay. In that in that he's. He's leading with his heart as a player. He did he did couch it as the you know what in that locker room they want to see Allen Robinson get a long term contract. Right. Every player wants to see every other player succeed because it it may mean something better for them. Football the football union has always been <clears throat> the worst. It's been the worst union, the worst association. They they 
don't look at Bears management as the problem. Look at your union leadership and look at your fraternity and say, how come we didn't hold out for more? How come we don't have guaranteed contracts? How come we don't have this? How come we don't have that? How come they can franchise us? Why can't we just go be free agents? Well, you can negotiate that. You can withhold services. You can go on strike. You can you can not sign a contract, a collective bargaining agreement. That's up to you. And I understand that you want your locker room to be your clubhouse or whatever it is in every sport. You want the player. The players want the players to win. And the way to do that, the way baseball gets what baseball does, baseball players withheld their services. They went on strike, and they saw it through. Football has not been able to do that to extend it. And the idea, Olin's right about the the big TV money. That's what a lot of people said the Dak Prescott contract was all about, is the, the, the... New TV contracts coming. I had forgotten about the whatever the influx of gambling money, wherever that's going to go. Um, they're getting all of Crane Kenny's wheelbarrows of, of cash. That's what the NFL's getting. <laughs> and and the NFL players just have never been able to stay out, have never been able to go out on strike long enough to hurt NFL owners. And they certainly are the show. Nobody's going to pay to watch... Nobody's going to pay to watch anybody but the best players. I don't. I don't think. Uh, I don't. I'd be surprised if anybody wants to watch Spare Bears too. But if Olin wants to complain about doing the right thing for the player, the players have to do the right things for each other and be strong enough to stay out until management buckles. That's why baseball has always had the best union, and NFL has had the worst. Also, while Allen Robinson's teammates are going to be unhappy for him and have in some ways on social media stuck up for him with the yeah. with the pay the man things and things like that. Yeah, I don't believe it sets a bad precedent in the locker room. And I say that because or like oh hey, the Bears are not paying guys. There there are there are 31 other teams around the NFL that are are pulling these tricks and using the tools that they have at their disposal. And then the other part too is until a player gets paid, he's keeping his mouth shut. You know what I mean? Like Anthony Miller, he he still needs to get paid at some point. Like Cordero Patterson, I know he's looking for his next couple big bags of gold as well. Or just any player, they get taken care of. It's going to be a different story in terms of how they look at the at the organization. So while it's it like I don't think this upsets the culture of the Bears. You know what I mean? Like, but but it does. I mean it it. It should be directed at the league and and the contract, like you said. You know, the talk about Allen Robinson leads to like who's going to throw to him and oh, yeah. some developments this week. Let's take a break and we come back. We will discuss the developments this week and we'll sort of take your pulse on on where you think this might or might not, where you think this is on the 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 Bears jackpot o meter. How about if we do that, okay, Mark? Bears quarterback talk. Bears. Next. That always works for me, brother. The Bears. The Bears, my friend. I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Mark Grody. Saturday, second. Chicago Sports Radio, 670, the score. It sucks, and it freebases. If I think something sucks, I'll tell you it sucks. You've come to the right place. And yes, texter, if you're baked, you're home. Right here with us. 
Wake and Bake Show. Saturday second, Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rody with you, Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. The Tech Zone is brought to you by Rose. Smoke Hyundai. weed every day. Yes, thank you. Tech Zone is brought to you by Rose and Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time, shop online at rosenhyundai.com. That's Nate Dog, right? Isn't that Nate Dog doing yes. smoke weed? Yes, yes, it day? is. Yes. Well, Snoop Dogg has uh, some line of wines out. I think 19 Crimes is now using his face. And there's a red blend that his face is on. And it's a really good red blend. Oh, yeah? Yep, yep. Snoop, Snoop did, for my taste, Snoop did red wine, red blend, white. Right. That's, and I'm sure that they'll expand it as long as they can put his face on there. You know, Snoop also has a gin. I did not know that. Of course he does. He's always sipping on gin and juice. Yeah, but he actually does have a line of gin called Indago. It's pretty good. I actually had some this last week. (laughs) I think I'm like ruined by like I'm always surprised when I hear like celebrity endorsed products are good. And I think that goes back to Jordan. Like everything that Jordan did was bad. Like the cologne was bad. The original Michael Jordan restaurant was bad. Like all his products. Shoes are good though. The shoes are awesome. I mean, beyond beyond that though, things that you put in your body or on your body were not good. I own them all. I had the Michael Jordan cologne, but it was not good. So, and that's what this but goes you, back to me when I'm always surprised to hear that that celebrity endorsed products are actually good. Hey, the you Paul know, Newman salad dressing is actually pretty good. And, you know, another um, Ryan Reynolds has a gin as well, also pretty damn good and really affordable. Really? Yeah. Like really affordable. Huh. It's like twenty eight dollars, I think. Michael went to went in on making a high end tequila, and if you want a high end Casamigos, the George Clooney tequila, yeah. unbelievable. I know I shouldn't say that to you, Mark, but this is no, no, no. That, I, I know you take that, life I, on its own terms, but I'm right. telling you, this their reposado is a spectacular shot. It's a great drink. Really? Okay, so, and that's a Jordan Jordan based. No, no, no. I don't tequila. he's got his own. I've not tasted his, but when okay. when you talk about athletes and in investing, endorsing brands, more than endorsing, putting their own money up and and pr- helping produce it. Jordan did it. He went in on and producing this tequila and George Clooney did it right. The the Casamigos tequila is outstanding. Okay. Wow, so, all right, and a whole new look at celebrities and their products. And and here's something else. Al Harrington, remember him? Drafted in the first round in 1998. Al Harrington, NBA player? Of course, of course. Okay. Well, he is one of the leading proponents. One of the He's running one of the leading businesses. It's called Viola, and they produce cannabis. Viola is his mom, and they oh, produce cannabis. Yes. And... He has, he's uh, was featured in, in Esquire talking about it as, as he was part of Black History Month last month and it came out. And before he said that he doesn't feel cannabis is a drug. Our WB club will agree with this. It's all natural. Anybody can grow it. Drugs are made in labs. So that's the whole idea behind the opioids, which they give all the athletes when they're hurt. And he was one of the athletes who was afraid of cannabis and before he started this, he thought it was a gateway drug that starts the whole thing. But the opioids really are because you're so dependent on them. And a lot of his teammates used it. And, and he saw that the stigma wasn't true. But this is the best part of this. 
For me, Al Harrington says, once I saw my grandmother use it for her glaucoma and then go downstairs and read her Bible and see for the first time in three years, it really just changed my perception of it. Wow. I just love this. <laughs> That's it. So Al Harrington, a, a Wake and Bake Club classic. He's a, uh, he can come on any time he wants. Oh, and you know, right. John Belushi's a weed farmer now. So we're, we're doing celebrities in weed. Yeah. John Belushi is dead. He's been dead oh, for sorry, a Oh, sorry, Jim Belushi. Jim Belushi. That's my mistake. Jim Belushi is a weed farmer. Right. Really? And isn't, isn't Clay Thompson also a, a backing a cannabis, a line of cannabis? I thought he, I thought he was. Maybe. Um, yeah. It's I don't know. Quite the thing. And Rocky Wirtz went in, went in halfsies with a, in Canada with a, his... his um, Wurtz Beverage Company with all the alcohol, alcohol uh, weed-infused weed alcohol. It's money, a lot of money in pot. Weed-infused alcohol? Yeah, you know, put it in beers and whatever. We talked about I this mean, before. You could put it anywhere, weed-infused food. Well, yeah, I guess so. I guess that makes, I guess I, 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 yeah. guess I wasn't listening or I, did, I didn't know that surprised. that happened. That's I mean, it goes in everything else. Well, yeah, that's why we... So speaking of suck, let's talk about Bears quarterbacks. We talked about this. Here's here's my stance, even though we talk about this every week, and, and if we had five, a show five days a week, we'd talk about it five days a week at some point. Sure. Until Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson are not coming here, there's still a chance they're going to come here. Amen. And that has to be based on something other than there's no movement. And in, in Seattle, nobody's denied that he wants out or they might move him. Nobody's done that. And Lewis Riddick tweeted out this week. Lewis Riddick has been talked about as a somebody that a team should hire as a GM. Maybe Seattle isn't as concerned as everyone else is about getting a quarterback in return for Russell Wilson, a la Detroit LA Rams deal involving Matthew Stafford. Just a thought. Hashtag hmm. there is still a chance, Chicago. <laughs> Ooh, wow. Like like the, like they would accept Nick Foles is what he's saying basically. Or not Nick Foles, or just we don't. We need to get everything else. We want all the draft picks, and we want maybe Roquan Smith and Khalil Mack. And yeah. you know the the one thing they would ask for. So let me ask you this about Russell Wilson. Let me ask you this: if they if they wanted Khalil Mack and Roquan Smith, the idea of getting Russell Wilson is we need a quarterback. He's the best out there, at least short term. Deshaun Watson would be the best long-term because he's younger and he's unhappy there. The, the question is, how many offensive linemen would you give up? Because Russell Wilson wants out because he's the most sacked quarterback since 2017. I, th- I mean, it's staggering. So you'd want to bump up the offensive line if you're Seattle, whoever you have. So they want Cody Whitehair and they want um, James, James Daniels. Daniels. Yeah. yeah, then what do you do? Wow, that's tough, man. I have never thought of it from the offensive line standpoint and give it. Well, that's yeah, what—that's the problem, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. And that's that's tough. Yeah. No, I don't think, I don't think Russell Wilson would be signing off on any trade. Not that he'd have a choice in the matter, but mm-hmm. he's not going to want to come to the Bears if they have no offensive line. So it makes perfect sense what you're saying. So, I mean, my first thought, honestly, is, I mean, no, you can't. You can't trade James Daniels and Cody Whitehair and. Um, I don't think we're putting Sam Mustafer up there quite yet. Should, should also say, Grody, Russell Wilson does actually have say in this because he's got a no trade clause. 
So yeah, he can true. say no. That's true. He can say no, but but yeah, and that's what I, and that's what I mean. Like he he probably would say no if the Bears were trading their offensive line away, or else he's just running. Or or then we would learn that that's not truly the reason he wanted out of Seattle. Like is that are we just assuming it's because he hates getting sacked as much as he has, or is it because he wants to throw the ball thirty times in thirty forty times in a game and and things are not going through him as much? So. That, that would tell the tale. I mean, if the Bears were giving up offensive linemen and Russell Wilson still didn't block a trade, then then we'd know that Wilson just either really wanted to go to Chicago or wanted the hell out of Seattle. And wanted to be able to run around and have a say in what was going on. And that's a, it's an interesting thing that, that Matt Nagy would wrestle with. He had sort of the, the learner's permit version of it when Mitch Trubisky made the comment about they're listening to me more, the idea that, he had some input in yeah. the plays they could run, would run. Right. He wanted to run. And that that's ex- sub- said to be one of the reasons Russell Wilson wants out of Seattle. They're just not listening to him. They don't want to do what he wants. They they He wants to have a say in the game plan and the plays, and and he wants to be Russell Wilson all caps, which yeah. in my world he already is. I think he's my favorite quarterback. I, so I don't know what's true and what's not, and, I, and there will be – bad things said about from both sides, everything conveniently leaked to make the other one look worse. How about this? It'd be interesting if he were, if he has a no trade contract, a no no trade clause that Uh he wants to exercise. What if they don't tell him what the trade is in return? Because that's where you would say, yeah, (laughs) what are you getting from me? Oh my God. And he'd know who is being traded. It's probably important to either to, it's certainly important to Russell Wilson that, Allen Robinson, we're still here. It would happen. Yeah, you would think. You would think. And and again, it, if he's not, then we know that there's there's a whole different agenda that he has. Yeah. And then if he, if he doesn't care about Allen Robinson, he doesn't care about offensive linemen, then, hey, celebrate. Russell Wilson just really wanted to play in Chicago. But there was this from Colin Coward. I don't know if you heard this, but he said, I'm told the Chicago Bears are trying to make a move on Russell Wilson and trying to create a move that is so good, Seattle can't say no. So that that's yeah, the but, source but if you of coward. Read, right, but what he says makes is nonsense. What he, what he says is impossible. Because at one point he talks about five first-round picks. That's impossible. You can't do that. The most you can do is four, and only on draft day. Um, and you have yeah. to be Kevin Costner and able to do it. But you have to... Between the time that Jacksonville Jaguars go on the clock and Mr. Irrelevant is chosen is the only time any team would be able to trade four four draft picks. Otherwise, it's three. So what Colin Cowherd is saying is I, I, it it ruins his credibility in a lot of ways. Well, it was that true. just his old hyperbole when he said that? Was he like, oh, they would trade five if they had to? Or like, like what I just read, he doesn't say anything about the draft picks. Does he go on to like – actually yeah, say five yeah. picks are involved okay so then that, later, then later right. on maybe this and bodies and players and all that and, and and it makes sense here's why you can believe that that would be true that ryan pace bids against himself so ryan pace is probably running up the score on himself and he's offering here you can you, you can have all of hallis hall that's what we're giving you that's it so <laughs> all right we got to take a break because we're expecting a call from the grobber Oh, that's, that's right. That's what's going to happen at the top oh, of the hour. I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Mark Grody, the grobber. 
and Lee Elia making an appearance. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 <laughs> The Score. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.